0: Alright, what's up guys? Welcome back to the Rigo's Rag podcast. Uh, Ian Cummings here with Jacob Kamaker and we got a guest today, Rigo's Rag writer, Ken Johansson. Shoot, I always forget. Is it Johansson or Johansson? Uh,
1: try it with the Y.
0: Yo- Johansson. Okay, Ken Johansson. <laughs> I always forget. I am sorry guys, but Ken Johansson here with us today. Uh, we're going to talk about Washington Redskins, all the latest off-season developments. Uh, now that the season's over, we don't have... Uh, very tenuous schedule, you know, it's kind of just, you know, whatever goes. So we're going to try and do some podcasts at least once every two weeks and we'll, we'll we'll see where it goes. But today we got a lot to talk about, a lot of uh, interesting just kind of playing weird developments with the Redskins, uh, though, the coaching situation and the new staff and the Ken I, I know you've been looking at it, you've been you've been watching what's going on uh, Torian and Gray leaving and now there's rumors that Jim Tomsula and Bill Callahan they're not happy. I mean, well, what do you make of all this?
1: I think it points directly to the front office. I don't think it's any dissatisfaction with Jay Gruden as the head coach. I think under the circumstances of the last couple of years, injuries, and uh, something of a player revolt uh, from two or three of uh, players earlier this season, I think that um, he's done really a fine job in light of everything. Maybe not an outstanding job, but he's basically held the team together for all of this. So I think it comes from the front office, and personally think it goes all the way up to the owner. It, it sounds like Dan Snyder has never left the football intervention business. It seems like he's been intervening the whole time. I could be wrong on that, but it just has that feel to it based on the history that he's had with uh, the Redskins over the last 20 years as an owner, and I really don't think much has changed there ever since.
0: Yeah, it definitely feels that way. I mean, you look at always getting in their own way. That's that's been the theme uh, during his ten years. That you know, uh, this team might have a few good pieces, you know, but then uh, some other pieces weigh them down, and then they they don't get where they want to, and then it's just a hard reset. You know, they overcompensate when they don't need to, or they don't do enough because they think they're closer than they are. And, it does all point back to Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen eventually. And Jacob, is that kind of the same vibe you're getting? Or?
2: Well, I think that tends to be what it's pointing to at this point. And, you know, at first when they weren't really making any staffing changes, I was kind of concerned in a way, but I was kind of like, oh, they're probably just waiting to see what's happening with other coaches, maybe before they move on from their defensive coordinator. Because... I don't think it's a bad idea to say if all the quality defensive coordinators or defensive staffers that they were considering got snapped up in the other head coaching searches once they decided to keep Jay Gruden. I mean, I understand holding on to Minuski because he's fine. He's not great, but he's not terrible. But at this point, it's just there's radio silence from the front office. We don't know who's on the staff and who isn't anymore. I mean, you mentioned Torian Gray. There are reports that he's gone. Nothing official on that. So as of right now, he's still technically with the team or just hanging in this weird limbo. It seems that Ben Kotwick, the um, special teams coordinator, was in the same boat because he was just hired by the Falcons to coach the same position, (laughs) uh, which apparently the Redskins gave him permission to interview. But it's just an odd, odd situation overall because you have all these coaching candidates, that are in limbo, except for Jay Gruden right now. And I agree with you, Ken. I don't think Jay Gruden is necessarily the problem here. I think he's fine. Again, he's not the best coach you could have, but there could be a lot worse options. And given the state of the front office right now, I don't know if they'd be able to hire someone significantly better than Jay Gruden. But just all of this is pointing to some sort of major dysfunction, and it points to the fact that they don't really seem to have a plan for what they're doing. Or if they have a plan, they're not letting people know what it is, and uh, they really need to kind of give their fan base and their media context a little bit of what that plan might be, because they're at risk of losing the fan base right now, is what it seems like.
0: Yeah, it, it was crazy when um <laughs> when I saw the Falcons kind of broke some Redskins news there. They were like, "Oh, we've hired Ben Quick, It's like, dude, you do a double tick for a second. I'm like, wait, isn't isn't he our guy? It's like, wait, what's going on here? And uh, we saw the confusion with the with the media members too. John kine was like, "Well, there's some news, you know." Kind of like, I don't know what's going on here. So that, that was crazy. And then of course Tory and Gray a couple of days ago with uh Denver reporter, Mike Cliss. It's weird, man. It's just weird. And I feel bad because last off season we were talking about you know how the culture was changing in Washington, and you know there were some hints about that. You know Alex Smith, definitely a the consummate professional guy. You know at quarterback, and you know guys like Jonathan Allen and uh Sean Dion Hamilton and guys like that on the defense and, you know, it, it, things were looking up, but then you look at the top and it just all percolates down and uh like Ken said, it all leads back to Dan Snyder and yeah, we, we, we we're we're seeing that now. You know, no matter how close they get, these guys just bring it right back to limbo and that's not a good sign, I don't know. Jim Tomsula and Bill Callahan are also rumored to be wanting out. Would you can you really blame them at this point?
1: No, I couldn't. I'm going to speak to a couple of things here. First of all, um, I know the fans are passionate. They want certain changes. And this Fire Bruce Allen hashtag has been going on Twitter now for, I think, more than two weeks. And I understand the sentiment behind it. I understand the movement behind it. But just over, over that time, I've really started to think more and more about it. And... No, Bruce Allen may not be the best uh, executive out there in the NFL, but when I see all the dysfunction that has occurred over the years, it just it points a little bit higher. I want to go back to something in two thousand two or two thousand three thereabouts, and Mike Nolan was the defensive coordinator for the Redskins, and they had a really bad game. Dan Snyder said, uh, or left him a." pile of ice cream on his desk overnight and said I don't like your vanilla defense and of course that had melted all over his desk. Mike Nolan replied to him, you know, thank you haha, I got the joke and then Dan Snyder repeated pretty much the same thing a day later and sent him another pile of ice cream with it again melted on his desk and said I'm not joking. But what kind of owner does that? Uh, Yeah, the defensive coordinator you will be the best. But you know what? Let the football people make the decisions. Let them be the ones to decide after the season who comes and who goes. I think Dan Snyder learned something from that. That was not a good look at all. But what I think he's done to this day is work more in the background. It's just, just so much that has happened, especially in these last few weeks, to indicate to me and I think many others. Dan Snyder is still pulling so many strings. Now, to your point about reading how we lost our special teams coordinator to Atlanta, it's amazing how disconnected, not overly so, but how disconnected the local Redskins media seems to be. Not just recently, but over the, over the years. And it seems like um, NFL media, national media breaks Redskins stories before the local media does. Uh, there's an exception once in a while. That speaks to the relationship that uh, the team has with local media. Washington Post, I don't think, has really had too many favorable favorite articles for the Redskins. Over now, quite a number of years, people can say, well, you know, we need better PR people, and we just had PR people fired. People on the business side, etc. It wasn't really PR people. But it's related to that, and so I'm wondering how in the world can so many people within that organization not be able to do their job? I personally come to the possibility that this is not that many people making mistakes. Maybe it's just one or two. And again, I think it goes straight
0: up to the ownership. Yeah, and I think that ties in with um, you know Jay Gruden, you know, talking back about him. It's like everyone. I uh, I was my stance changed on that over the season, you know. I, I kind of realized he's not the best guy to go forward with, you know. Uh, you know, he's kind of an average coach, but it's like with Dan Snyder up at top, always, you know, eventually he's going to make a mistake and set them back again. I mean, it doesn't really matter, you know, who's in the head coaching position. So, I think and that's that's a tough that's a tough situation cuz you know Snyder's not going anywhere. That's the thing. No he's not selling this team like he loves this team as as bad as he is at owning it he loves the team he's got a deep-rooted history with his team he's not he's not relinquishing that even if none of the fans come back even if Eagles fans flood this stadium you know that's no matter how bad it gets I feel like he's just gonna stick around and that's that's really the the biggest problem as you've been getting at and it's, it's taken a while to kind of realize it, to fully realize it. But now that we do, it's kind of like, well, where do you go from here? I don't know. Jacob, where where do you go from here? I mean,
2: it's really hard to even say where you go from here as a coaching staff because you're losing arguably – well, you lose Kotwick, and he's done a good job with the special teams this year. I mean, Tress Way had a great year. Dustin Hopkins improved, and, you know, the coverage units were good. I know in the past we've had issues with punt returner but those didn't really surface. And then you look at guys like Callahan and Tom Sula who are two year better position coaches to include Tory and Gray in there. Tory and Gray's done a good job in the last couple of years and it seems that they're either on their way out or they really want to get out. And that's just not a good thing. And but there's really nothing you can do if they want to leave. Because the only thing you can do to fix things is try to fix that organizational structure. But that might need to be torn down and rebuilt over a a number of years. And, you know, as long as Bruce Allen's there, he's going to have some hand in everything. But Snyder doesn't seem to be willing to relinquish it. So it's just kind of going to be a mess until it's not a mess anymore or until they find a coach that can really deal with everything. I mean... It's kind of similar to how Cincinnati was before they hired Marvin Lewis. They were kind of a little bit of a mess uh, back in the day, and then Lewis kind of straightened out that franchise for a while, and now we'll see how they do without Lewis. In terms of how the Redskins are doing, it's it's just going to depend on who they bring in and who can deal with Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen. If they can't find people, it's going to continue to be this circus.
0: Yeah, and it's been like two decades just. Trying to find people who can work with Dan Snyder, and no one's done it. I mean, Jay Gruden's been able to do it the last, I think he's six years now. Is he heading into his sixth year, fifth or sixth year? I don't know. I'm not good at counting tonight, but <laughs> he, he stuck around, and but he's an average coach. You know, he's not good enough to get you to the playoffs, but not bad enough where you level out and blow everything up. So it's like, you know, what are you gonna do? It's crazy. And um, I want I want to talk about. Torian Gray real quick I just had a quick thought because like some people have been saying you know he wasn't the best defensive you know coach and I think I value player development a lot with those position coaches because I feel like that's really up to them and I think you know letting go of him because of the secondary's performance down the road that's just it's another one of those kind of you know you're you're overcompensating you're you're doing more than you need to do they just don't have the ability to kind of see to kind of diagnose what the specific problem is and that's just it, it, it's tough to watch because it just keeps deteriorating and deteriorating. It's just getting worse and worse, and we're seeing that now where they're not even willing to open up to the media. They're just like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're closing the doors. We don't care what anyone thinks. And it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I don't know.
1: Torian Gray came in with a great reputation. Has worked with many fine defensive backs that have gone on to incredible. Uh, NFL careers, you look at what he did at Florida, you look at what he did at Virginia Tech, and I'm going to point to one player for the Redskins that looked like he was well on his way to, well, two players, Kai and Jarrett, until he got injured, uh, it was the kind of injury that ended his career. He was a sixth-round pick, and he came in, and in his first year, it was just incredible to watch him. You knew he was going to fulfill that role as a slot corner, and maybe he would have done well as a hybrid safety. And that's the role he was in. Uh, But then he had the unfortunate injury. Then you had Fuller come in. He had a rough first year, but by his second year, he was truly incredible. No wonder the Kansas City Chiefs traded for him. And you hate to see him go. I know he struggled a bit this year, but that to me, points to Coach Gray as having a really good influence. And I'm not knocking the coaches in Kansas City. I look at the overall body of work. It's really impressive. He didn't really have a whole lot of time to develop young players here. That's it's If he's gone, and we don't officially know if he's gone yet or not, but it seems like it. I know Josh Norman is pretty much set in his ways as a defender. So you're probably not going to get much more out of him, but he's still a very good defender. So I look toward these younger players like Fabian Monroe. Last year, he didn't have hardly an impact at all. This year, he started off slow. But the last about six, seven games of the season, he was really playing extremely well at a very high level, especially the last two games. He was starting opposite Josh Norman, and I don't think a lot of people picked that up. But he was doing an outstanding job. So to see this happen, and I know again it's not official, but it seems like it. If Gray is gone, I don't understand the rationale there unless he has received a better offer elsewhere to move up, and that happens, and you can't block him from doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, Quentin Dunbar, too, converted wide receiver on draft free agent. Aubrey Pleasant brought him along, but. His first year as a starter this year with Torian Gray, he was legit. And so you combine, combine, when he was healthy, he was legit, like he was really good. And so you combine that with the early returns from Greg Strowman this year. Strowman at times really flashed and he he showed that he might have a future with this team at corner. And then uh, Monte Nicholson last year, obviously the assault charges, not ideal, his future up in doubt, but to get early starting returns as a rookie fourth rounder is good and you know, you look at DJ Swearinger, upped his game to new heights this season to start the year, dropped off a little bit, but Torian Gray was, he was a good coach, and I think if they let him go as a scapegoat for the defense's struggles later on, you know, if they if they do a full staff, uh, you know, overhaul when they didn't need to, that's, you know, the, that's pointing to the issues at the top, you know, just kind of starting over and starting over and starting over, and, you know, maybe one of these times we'll get it right, but you know, if you keep doing it the wrong way, it's it's it's, it's not going to happen. I don't know. We've been talking about doom and gloom for a lot uh, today. Uh, let's 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 pivot. Let's go to let's go to some draft talk. That's that's some fun stuff. Ken, I know you did some draft articles for us, the Christmas mock and the big board. Who are your favorite Redskins prospects to look at right now?
1: You know, it's extremely difficult to make these predictions in December and January. And the players you're looking at, of course, some of this will depend on what happens in free agency, say, toward get to April. They'll probably have a much better idea. But I'm going to toss in a. I looked at what Jay Gruden said in his uh, final presser just after the season. And he said, we need playmakers. We need playmakers. And I found that to be an interesting statement. Because everyone has an opinion all the Redskins pundits out there have an opinion who should be taken in the first round, in the second round, and the third round, and so forth. And none of us seem to agree. And we vehemently <laughs> go after each other, saying, no, this is who we should get. And it makes for some interesting conversations. But in the first round, I'm going to toss out a name. This is a, more or less a preview of a mock draft that I'm publishing on Friday I would say in the first round, look for a surprise. Noah Fant, tight end out of Iowa,
0: really?
1: is a person who I think would be selected by the Redskins. You say, what, a tight end? Well, let me tell you, he's a playmaker. And he he makes all the catches. He makes them look easy. His various tree routes, they're crisp. He, he can be elusive with slot corners, with safeties, and... And in his own coverage, he just goes right through it. As a blocker, he's superb. He's just the all-around tight end you would look for to have an impact for the next decade, maybe even 12, 15 years. I mean, he's that good. And he's going to have such an impact at the next level. It would not surprise me if the Redskins draft him in the first round. Now, in the second round, you say, well, we go defense. And I'm going to throw out another possibility. Great, Jake Rudin again emphasized playmakers. I would not be surprised if they did go tight end in the first round and went wide receiver in the second. I think there's going to be a lot of options in that second round. Oh yeah. I think I think DK Metcalf actually falls to the second round only because of his medicals. Yeah. And yeah. coming from coming from a neck injury, but he, you know what? If he impresses at the combine and at Mississippi's pro day. And he rises to the first round, but there's a couple of other Mississippi wide receivers that could receive attention. Demarcus Lodge and uh, AJ Brown. These are two receivers that will have quite an impact. Um, Brown may go in the first. You know, I have him right now rated as uh, first round possibility, maybe high second round. But if DK Metcalf elevates himself in the coming weeks, then AJ Brown may drop a bit. Uh, That's a stretch, to be honest. But uh, there are other receivers out there. You have, what uh, was it, Whiteside from from Stanford?
0: R.C. Whiteside? Yeah.
1: Yes. I think he's pretty good. I've watched a lot of film recently, and I've come away pretty impressed. I, I saw him in a game earlier this season, only for about a quarter. And I'm like, well, he's not everything. But I've had a chance to look at a lot of videos since then read reports and everything. And I think that's another target. Harry out of Arizona State is pretty good. Yeah, But, but um, there's really about five or six receivers in that second round. And it would not surprise me, based on what Jay Gruden said, if the team went tight end in the first round and a marquee-wide receiver in the second round. And a lot of people say, oh, what about edge? What about edge? And I agree. But a lot's going to depend on free agency there. Does Preston Smith come back? If he does, well, edge rusher becomes less of a priority. And people can talk about his talent and and so forth. But the Redskins bring him back. That changes what could happen in the first couple of rounds. So right now, based on what Jay Gruden said a couple of weeks ago, I would look toward uh, playmakers in the first two rounds.
0: Yeah, you're talking about wide receiver. There are a ton of options in this draft. It's crazy. I Personally, I don't see DK Metcalf dropping. I think he's too much of an athletic talent. But, you know, you never know how teams weigh injuries. I mean, we, we all thought Jonathan Allen would be a top-five pick, and he dropped to number 17. So, you know, any, anything can happen there. But even if they don't get Metcalf, uh, there's still a ton of options. Like you said, Lodge, Brown. uh, Debo Samuel, South Carolina, Kelvin Harmon, Hakeem Butler, Nikhil Harry, uh, a ton of wide receivers. So this is kind of like the draft where you can pick your poison almost. And so that's that's a really good thing for the Redskins because they could really just add anyone at wide receiver if they wanted to. I feel like guys, people want a speed receiver. I think Hollywood Brown's another guy who fits that bill. He's my <laughs> dude. I
2: love Hollywood Brown. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Hollywood's the dude, man. Dude, if you can get a wide receiver with the nickname Hollywood, you know, I almost would draft him based on that. I'm just kidding, but that 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 adds to my resume. I, I love that nickname, man. It, it it's got a nice ring to it. But um, there's a ton of receivers in the draft in this draft, and really, it's like you can't go wrong almost. So you know, I feel like those first one, two, three rounds, they they got to come away with someone at that position. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and if I can jump in here, I yeah. think that this class is actually also deep at tight end. Um, not to not to discount the possibility of Noah Fant being the pick at 15, but I would I would lean towards the Redskins going for a defensive player in that first round, just because again I know it depends a lot on Preston Smith, but this class is also so extremely deep on the defensive line and at edge rusher in particular that there are going to be some potential elite-level talents that fall down to the Redskins' pick at 15. guy I'm keeping an eye on close is Cleland Furrell of Clemson. Uh, He's looking like an early first-round pick, in my opinion, but he might make it to the middle picks. Um, He's a dude that if the Redskins can get their hands on him, putting him across from Ryan Kerrigan in conjunction with Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Matt Ioannidis, if they keep that 3-4 front or even in a 4-3 front, it could, be, it could be really dangerous on the pass rush, and it would really help out Kerrigan to have a consistent uh, partner across from him, and I think Furl would give them that. Um, and then I would target Hollywood Brown in the second round if they get Furl in the first, but uh, Ja'Kai Palit, I think is how you say it, I think he's going to be another option to look at on the edge in the first round. Great speed rusher, would add a different element to that Redskins front line that's kind of a combination of speed and strength so far they don't have like a pure speed athlete type player I think Polite could offer that so I mean I think they're in good position to land some sort of playmaker whether it's on offense or defense but I'm really starting to fall in love with some of these edge prospects so right now that is the direction I would lean towards in the first round just because of the level of talent that's available there
0: how did you say his name Cleveland Furl
2: yeah, it is Cleland Furrell. I know it looks like Cleland Farrell, but yeah. it's Cleland Furl, believe really? it or not.
0: I have, been, uh, I have been thinking of it as Cleland Farrell this whole time. That's a mind-blower to me.
2: I used to think the same thing, Ian. Then I watched a few Clemson games, and I was like, there's no way that's how you say it. <laughs> but apparently he told the reporters his name is pronounced Cleland Furl because they were calling him Cleland Farrell but it's Furl. So... Get used to that one because we'll be saying that name a bunch this draft season. That either is, way,
0: that is crazy. Okay, okay. Well, time to reset here. Yeah, I think um, Furl. I, I haven't I haven't gotten a chance to watch a ton of tape yet, but I, from initial impressions, and I always like to read the Draft Network. They got some good stuff on all these guys. Some good uh, draft profiles. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll be writing about how they fit in with the Redskins. But if you want an initial. You know impression. You know you can always go there. And I think Furl to to me looks like he's the more fundamentally sound guy. And I think uh, Polite's the speed rusher, of course. And you got some athletic guys like Brian Burns and uh, Josh Allen. And then you have Nick Bosa, who everyone's picking to go another, number one. So probably won't get a chance to him. But this is a really stacked edge class. And like you said, uh, they they got to come away with someone, especially if Preston Smith leaves. But even if he doesn't, you know you can add someone to rotation. Another defensive guy I really like is Deontay Thompson. Uh, he didn't have a great showing in the national championship game, uh, and I, that'll give people a sour taste. But he's still a really good athlete, uh, moves well as a safety, and you know he can he can be the center fielder that this team needs. And I think you know the biggest thing for him is the mental aspects back there. You know, just getting all the keys down and everything. But I, I really like the physical traits he has, and I think. Um, you look at the Redskins after releasing DJ Swanger. Ha-ha, Clint Dix didn't do very well. He might not even be re-signed. So it's like you have a really big void at safety, and you got to get someone there. And I think Thompson's the top talent they can bring there. So, I don't know, a, a lot of options, a lot of options. It's going to be fun to um, kind of parse through everything. Ken, when does your uh, next mock draft come out? You got a timeline for that?
1: Uh, are you talking at BGO or at um... – Rigo's rag.
0: Wherever, wherever. Guy, yeah, guys. Well, uh, Ken Ken also writes at BGO, uh, Burgundy and Gold Obsession. Is that what it stands for? Yes, that's what it stands for. Yeah. Um, I got two mock drafts uh, coming out on
1: Friday, and I do. I'm doing two mocks each time I publish, and the reason being, I'm doing it with the assumption that um, Alex Smith returns, and I'm doing another mock draft that assumes. Alex Smith is not returning, whether he's, you know, put on injured reserve, the pup list, or his career ends, what what have you. Uh, I, so that's why I'm putting out two mock drafts. So that will be on Friday. I want to throw out something in the way of uh, what could happen. I know we're talking about what may happen in the first round. Yeah. I'm not discounting the possibility the Redskins may trade down to uh, a little bit later in the first round because, you know, we've been been talking about um, some of the great athletes that are out there, and there's a lot of them that are going to be there when the Redskins pick in the first round. And what if they trade down and gain some extra picks? Uh, I don't discount that possibility. There's going to be two or three teams that can say, hey, there's a player right there. Let's go for it. Um, so I'm going to throw out a name, and we're talking about edge players that I think might be available a little bit later in the first round. That's Montez Sweat of Mississippi oh. State. He's a six foot six inch, 245 pound edge who could really actually add about uh, 10 pounds of bulk and muscle to his frame and still be quick and effective. He may be rated just a tad lower than many of the elite edges out. there. But I think he's going to have a very good career. And I rate him as uh, a much better uh, Preston Smith. And I think if Preston Smith, Smith is re-signed, we still could bring in a Montez and maybe move Preston down into when we have four or three alignments in the game, which is very often, to be honest. I could see uh, Preston Smith staying and Sweat taking over his role and being a much more effective pass rusher. So I, I'm keeping a look on him. He's a very, very good edge.
0: Yeah, I did I did get a chance to look at him. I did get a chance to watch some tape on him for a Saturday spotlight earlier. And he, he's a legit player. He's a legit player. He's got good strength. He's got good speed, good length. So really just the whole package. So the Redskins will be able to do a multitude of things in the first round. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to cover that, make sure uh, – bgo burgundy gold obsession check out ken's stuff there and i'm sure he'll have a mock draft over at Rigos rag sometime this off season a lot of time this off season to go through that so we'll take our time we'll kind of take you guys through that we'll have matt valdov on here at some point he's a draft expert for us at Rigos. but for now we're gonna call it off we're out of time here so um thanks as always for listening guys uh peace out have a good night